latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God on this Thursday, July the 28th, 2022. Today we're going to be talking about the dangers of witchcraft. How witches may be leaving witchcraft for a reason. Because it's bad, right? I mean, uh, we're going to cover a blog post out of Charles Fraun and his Slaying Dragons, where he talks about a witch who is basically having to admit that she's dealing with the diabolical. Uh, I just saw uh, some uh, like news reports, articles, things like that, going around the interwebs yesterday about Kat Von D. She's that... A tattoo artist that uh, was formerly in Los Angeles. They they fled California, I think it was last year. Uh, famous for her macabre style. Um, well, she has been, uh, you know, having a revelation that having satanic, occult-like things in her life aren't leading to good stuff. And we're going to be discussing that on the program today. We're also going to play with you, pl- play for you, rather, our interview with Father Vincent Lampert on the occult. All that coming up in this hour, so stick around for that. At the top of the next hour, if you can join us, we'd love to have you. Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com is going to be giving us the follow-up to that story of that priest from Milan who said mass on a blow-up air mattress in the ocean. Yeah, remember that? Yeah, I was disgusted by that, too. Well, uh, he's sorry, but not really. We're going to conversate about that at the top of the next hour, if you can join us. There's so much in the news to cover today as well. Hey, the FDA is warning of brain swelling, vision loss in minors who are using those puberty blockers. Yeah, let's think about that for a second. Hmm? Fed chair says uh, there is no recession, just nothing to see here. Move along, move along, and there's no recession, even if we are in two quarters of negative growth. But uh, in other news, the Fed hikes the interest rates yet again, another three quarters of a percentage point. So there's that. Uh, The Biden administration is selling another 20 million barrels of your hard-earned, well-paid-for strategic oil to China and others. So enjoy that part. And the U.S. military is readying for possible conflict in the Pacific ahead of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's possible trip to Taiwan in August. I mean, war? Does anybody want that? I don't. But, uh, hey, participants in the diocese in Luxembourg, the Synod of Synodality in Luxembourg, they're calling for change. Oh, yeah, they want change on homosexuality, the uh, 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 abolishment of mandatory priestly celibacy, and so much more. So... Lots of good news stories, I suppose. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. How are you guys doing over there? Uh, Praise be to God, we are alive. And that counts, (laughs) doesn't it? That's great. Yeah, Thursday, I'm working from home today. I'm going to be picking up my mom. But uh, I have a very special request for you, dear listener. If you could send up a Hail Mary for my beloved daughter. It's her birthday today. And uh, it's her first birthday. So I'm really excited to celebrate that. Happy birthday, Maria. Praise be to God. (laughs) What has she what has she commanded by a dictate in the house today? Like uh, we're talking death by chocolate uh, pudding or what are we doing? What are we doing today? (laughs) I think we're going to go get her uh, uh, one of those Build-A-Bears. I think they charge depending on the age. But, uh, you know, in this house, uh, 
We believe in Maria law. You <laughs> may have right. heard about Sharia law, <laughs> but right. uh, here we celebrate or we observe rather <laughs> it's right. uh, Maria law. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> uh, Maria's got it made in the shade. She's got uh, two servants oh, yeah. to take care of her every single need. <laughs> Praise, <laughs> be <to God. laughs> Praise be to God. Well, hey, well, what are parents for, huh? Exactly. Yes, for sure. Uh, there is so much to cover. Poor Adrian Fonseca today is just uh, jumping through many hoops to try to get the show ready. So, uh, uh, good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. How are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. How are you doing? That's the question. Surviving it. Sur- surviving it, he said. Praise <laughs> be to Jesus. Well, we have a lot to cover today. We're going to jump in. Um, if you have friends that deal with, like, I, I was just going through this book by uh, Father Gabriel Amorth, God rest his soul, uh, and Exorcist tells his story, and it, it really compelled me to share with you some more information on the occult, because in the book he talks about how many cases he dealt with uh, trying to help people be free of the diabolic because they participated in things like seances or or yoga. He mentions yoga in this, uh, tarot cards, palm readers, uh, uh, you know, getting your horoscope, and all of those things. Uh, these things lead to bad stuff, and so we felt like it was important to have a show focused on that today. So that's what's on the agenda. Let's pray. Let's get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today is Thursday, July 28th, and here are your headlines this morning. This is from the AP. The headline goes, How the Federal Reserve's Rate Hikes Affect Your Finances. The Federal Reserve raised raised its benchmark interest rate by a sizable 0.75 percentage point for a second straight time. The latest hike, its fourth since March, will further magnify borrowing costs for homes, cars, and credit cards, though many borrowers may not feel the impact immediately. If you're in the market for a home, new home sales have plunged since June, and you'll find more options on the market. For cars, the Fed's rate uh, hikes typically make auto loans more expensive. But other factors also affect these rates, including competition among car makers, which can sometimes lower borrowing costs. LiveSite News reports Italian city moles religious offense charge against priests who offered mass and see shirtless. The public prosecutor's office in Crotone, Italy, is considering an offense of religious denomination charges against a priest who offered mass shirtless while waist-deep in the sea. Last Sunday, Father Mattia Bernasconi of Milan, Italy, enraged faithful Catholics when photographs of him offering mass shirtless while wading in the sea in Crotone surfaced on social media. While the Archdiocese of Crotone seems to have foregone any disciplinary action with respect to the irreverence, civil authorities continue to weigh their options as it, it is a criminal offense in the largely Catholic nation of Italy to offend a religious denomination. Reuters reports House Democrats press U.S. gunmakers on marketing of assault rifles. Democrats on a U.S. House committee pressed the top executives of U.S. gunmakers on Wednesday making their marketing of rifles uh, about their marketing, rather, of rifles that have been used in recent mass shootings, while the executives defended their business. However, they did not address any substantial cause of the mass shootings. 
Christopher Killoy, a president and CEO of Sturm Ruger & Co., told committee members, quote, A firearm, any firearm, can be used for good or evil. The difference is in the intent of the individual possessing it, unquote. And finally, Breitbart News reports Brittany Griner fears language transition, translation issues made situation in Russia worse. During her testimony before a Russian court on Wednesday, WNBA star Brittany Griner said she fears that language translation problems may have added to her troubles as she faces drug possession charges. During a court appearance early this month, Griner pleaded guilty to possessing marijuana vape cartridges, which were found in her luggage, but she claimed that she had no idea she was breaking any laws and did not do so on purpose. The Russian government's stance is that the use of marijuana in the U.S. has no bearing on its status as an illegal drug in Russia. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Blessed Antony Della Chasey. Born in 1395, Antony was born in the nobility, showing a taste early in life for the things of God. He grew up with the hope of becoming a religious. His father, who was a man of some importance, opposed his wish. So not until Anthony was 22 was he able to make the break with his family and enter the monastery at Vercelli. Here he distinguished himself for both sanctity and learning. Being a good preacher, he was for some years the companion of St. Bernardine of Siena. In his missionary journeys through Italy, Anthony was prior at the friars of Como, Savannah, Florence, and Bologna. Anthony gives us a picture of one who followed the Dominican life perfectly, managing most of the time to escape public notice. There is in his life very little of the grammar or the glor uh, glamorous or the unusual. He kept the rule with a good superior and a just administrator. He was shunned applause and was always serene. He was particularly devoted to Our Lady in that he conversed with her in ecstasy several times. He had the gift of reading hearts and was sought after for a director, as a director of souls. He also healed many sick people with his blessings. At one time, Antony was on a ship that was captured by pirates, but at his prayer, the pirates spared the passengers and brought them safely to land. One of the very few things of his of unusual nature was that in Antony's life is a legend that was told of him as he was prior of Savona. Anthony was one day praying at night in the church, and he was disturbed by the sound of horses' hooves clattering on the flagstones outside. He went to see what could possibly be there at such a late hour. There were several horsemen, all mounted on black horses. He addressed them, but received no answer. Thinking that they might be foreigners, he tried several languages, and still there was no response. Aware then that something was wrong, he commanded them in the name of the Lord to tell him who they were and where they were going. They said they were devils, and that they were on their way to meet the soul of a dying sinner, a usurer, and es escort him to hell. I will pray for him, said Antony. The demons laughed and told him he was too late. Then at least come back and tell me whether you succeeded or not, said the prior. A short while later, the group returned, and they had succeeded. They held the unhappy usurer captive, and while the prior watched in horror, they bore him off. The man was screaming. The next day, the usurer relatives came to arrange an elaborate funeral. You, much, you would do much better to have masses said for yourselves and other poor sinners, he said. Antony died at Como and was buried there at the Dominican church. Miracles at his tomb led to his beatification. He died January 22, 1459 and was beatified by, in 1819 by Pope Pius VII. Blessed Antony, pray 
for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 13 verses 47 through 53. Jesus said to the disciples, The kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea, which collects fish of every kind. When it is full, they haul it ashore and sit down to put what is good into buckets. What is bad, they throw away. Thus it will be at the end of the age. The angels will go out and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Do you understand all these things? They answered, Yes. And he replied, Then every scribe who has been instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings from his storeroom both the new and the old. When Jesus finished these parables, he went away from there. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Gregory the Great, a pope in the 6th century, said, quote, The Holy Church is likened to a net because it is given into the hands of fishers, and by it each man is drawn into the heavenly kingdom out of the waves of this present world, that he should not be drowned in the depth of eternal death. This net gathers of every kind of fishes, because the wise and the foolish, the free and the slave, the rich and the poor, the strong and the weak, are called to forgiveness of sin. It is then fully or that it is then fully filled when, in the end of all things, the sum of the human race is completed. For as the sea signifies the world, so the sea shore signifies the end of the world. And as the good are gathered into vessels, but the bad cast away, so each man is received into eternal abodes, while the reprobate having lost the light of the inward kingdom, are cast forth into the outer darkness. But now the net of faith holds good and bad mingled together in one. But the shore shall discover what the net of the church has brought to the land. Close quote, St. Gregory the Great. You know the old and the new, that last bit? Every priest, every bishop, every cardinal, every pope have all been instructed to draw from the treasures of the Old and New Testaments, from the teaching and patrimony of the church, handed on from one generation to the next by word of mouth or by letter, to teach what is true, good, and just for the return of souls. They ought to be doing that. Let's pray for them to accomplish that mission. Protestants use 1 Timothy 4, 1-3 against the Catholic practice of consecrated celibacy and Lenten observances because Paul calls the forbidding of marriage and the consumption of meat doctrines of demons. Do Catholics need to be exercised? No. And here are some reasons why. First, Paul can't be condemning consecrated celibacy because in the next chapter he gives Timothy instructions on proper implementation of consecrated celibacy with regard to enrolled widows. Also, Paul can't be condemning all forms of abstinence from meats since he was part of the decision at the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15 that decreed Gentile Christians abstain from meats offered to idols. What Paul was condemning is the Gnostic belief that nobody should marry and that one should always abstain from meats because matter is evil. So, fear not, Catholics, you have no need for an exorcism. 
I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Years ago, when I started acting, modeling, and singing in Mexico, my Catholic faith was not the center of my life. It took me many years to discover that success, fame, money, and all the pleasures of the world were not going to fulfill me. I got to a point in my life where I thought I had everything, but I realized something was missing. Thankfully, I began a faith journey that brought me back to God and the home to the Catholic Church. You can too. Discover more at CatholicsComeHome.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, we're going to play our conversation with Father Vincent Lampert, an exorcist out of Indiana. We've had him on the show a number of times, uh, but we're going to share with you a conversation we had about the occult and the dangers of the occult. Uh, So stick around for that. That's coming up next. But there are lots of stories in the news that are a great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. We will, in fact, also talk about that story out of Italy, that priest who uh, stripped down to nothing but his trunks his, and, uh, and went into the ocean, as Rudy covered that uh, just a minute ago in the news, and we talked about it the other day. Well, Tito Edwards from BigPublic.com is going to be on the top of the next hour to give us the follow-up on that. We're going to uh, dive into that in greater detail. So if you can, join us. You can always watch us live on grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But I saw this headline floating about, I think it was yesterday, might have been the day before, Uh, But at any rate, the headline says, I'm looking at the Blaze reporting on this right now. It says, Kat Von D expels tarot cards and witchcraft books from her new Indiana home. Quote, I just don't want to invite any of these things into our family's lives. Close quote. Now, Kat Von D, um, maybe you don't know. I don't watch television. I don't have cable news. I haven't had it in a decade or so or more. Um... Kat Von D apparently has a fa- or had a famous tattoo parlor in Los Angeles, uh, but sold it, uh, got out of California because she didn't like their draconian uh, policies, government mandates, all that stuff. And so her and her family moved to Indiana, where they re- renovated a home. And so here we are. Now, Rudy, uh, you probably frequented her, her establishment on a number of occasions, I'm sure. Are you familiar with Kat Von D, Rudy? Yeah, I'm familiar with her. She also had a TV show. I have a couple of tattoos that she did on on me. Just kidding. No, I don't have any tattoos. But, uh, <laughs> New revelation. She's very. She was very famous when I was in high school. Everybody mm-hmm. was uh, a big fan of her mm-hmm. tattoo art. Uh, but very you know, macabre. I don't, I don't remember what the tattoos look like. <laughs> yeah, very macabre. Very dark. Uh, very yeah. sort of diabolical kind of uh, tattoos. And, of course, you know, people flocked to her parlor to get her, her tattoo artwork on them. Well, let me go to her Instagram feed here and read to you what she said directly. She says, quote, I don't know if any of you have been going through changes in your lives right now, but in the last few years, I've come to some pretty meaningful re- uh, realizations, many of them revolving around the fact that I got a lot of, the, a lot of things wrong in my past. Today, I went through my entire library and threw out books that just don't align with who I am and who I want to be. I've always found beauty in the macabre, but at this point, I just had to ask myself, what is my relationship with this content? And the truth is, 
I just don't want to invite any of these things into our family's lives, even if it comes disguised in beautiful covers collecting dust on my shelves. In no way is this post designed to put anyone down if you're into this stuff, because I think we are all on our own journey, and I love everyone regardless of where they might be at. Uh, but right now, it ne it's never been more clear to me that there is spiritual battle taking place. And I want to surround myself and my family with love and light. Now, I find this very interesting because it seems to me that uh, she, if I'm reading between the lines here, she's, she understands that she has been playing with fire and she's starting to feel the burn. Now, I also seem to think that she's not willing yet or hasn't maybe made it clear to the rest of the public that she's going to the logical conclusion of what all this means. She's just at the point where she's wanting to get in, getting rid of stuff. And so some of the pictures that she's posted on her Instagram feed include books on witchcraft, on uh, tarot cards, and, and Satanism, and all this stuff. And by the way, she has begun the process of covering all of her tattoos She's just blacking them out. I don't know why she wouldn't go through the process of having them removed. They can laser remove that stuff. But nonetheless, she seems like she's on a journey. So we should, we should pray for her. But I think there's a teachable moment in here for you and for me. I saw this uh, a blog post from Charles Fraun out of his uh, blog is theslayingdragonsbook.com. You can find it there. The, the, the post title is The Dangers of Witchcraft. Lesson number 698,452. I like that. That's, that's very clever. <laughs> Spirits in a witch's home. And essentially, he's doing research for a follow-up to his book, Slaying Dragons, uh, which maybe we should get him on. And so as a result of this, he has been looking at YouTube videos of what these witches are talking about. Uh, and he found this one witch who is basically saying, um, yeah, I kind of might have stepped into it. And uh, and here's a, here's a snippet of what he says here. It says, quote, further, this story is important for priests to hear. The reason is that some witches are fleeing witchcraft because they are opening up demonic portals they never knew existed and are getting attacked. Exorcists have spoken about the rise in these cases. Further, witches do curse people. They do. They admit to it, as does this witch I listen to. Some will nuance the wording to avoid sounding like it is a curse or justify themselves with a subjective moral reasoning, which has no rational grounding. And this is the point where I'm going to read to you like his summary of what that witch actually said in her video in just one second. But I've, as I said at the top of the hour, I've been going through Father Gabriel Morth's book, uh, which he wrote himself, an exorcist tells his story, God rest his soul. And he, he so openly discusses some of the major problems. And I'm blown away by, by how bad things are in Italy. Uh, the frequent, very, very common use of witches, warlocks, curses, hexes, and gypsies, and all other manner of the occult, rather than just going to a priest making a great confession, which is more powerful, in Father Gabriel Amorth's words, more powerful than an exorcism, is a good confession, a thorough confession. Uh, a contrite heart does more power than even the confession, or rather the exorcism. But nonetheless, they go to the occult to look for these answers. Tarot cards, palm readers. He mentions yoga in his list. 
Now, I know that's a contested, oh, Joe, he's just stretching and breathing. Uh, listen, his word's not mine. He was the exorcist, not me. I'm just telling you what he said. All right? And we, had, we actually did a whole show on that uh, very topic, by the way. But nonetheless, he warns that these items, these curses, these hexes, these things, and we put these things in our life, and it's not good enough that you just throw them away. That by itself is a good step, but it is not going to deliver you from the harassments and the diabolical. You actually have to do more than that. And that was one of the key points that I wanted to point out in Kat Von D's story. It's good that she's getting rid of this stuff. You ought to. If you have this stuff, get rid of it. But you also should probably get rid of it in a way that ha will have much more powerful impact on your own spiritual well-being. Making good confession. Uh, you know, using the uh, ex exercise water, exercise salts, praying for the protection of the precious blood of Jesus. This is the kind of stuff that Father Gabriel Morth talks about in his book. But I want to read to you the summary from Charles Franz's blog post about what this witch said in her video. And I want you to ponder this in your own life. And what you might have, or someone you know, might be dabbling in the occult uh, and the dangers thereof. It says, uh, quote, in discussing various topics with her audience, speaking of the witch, uh, she turned to the issue of ghosts, or as she clarifies, quote, strange spirit encounters, close quote. Quote, I am definitely finding more and more that I'm getting strange spirit encounters time and time again, she said. She then explained that her house is, quote, fairly well protected, close quote, by means of the rituals she has done, including, quote, home protections, wards, and shields, close quote, going on to say, quote, I like to keep my space fairly insulated from external interactions just so that I have, uh, that I can have a nice, safe, calm environment, close quote. Don't, don't you love the naivete there? It's like as if she's in total control of the spirit world. Hmm, how's that going to work out? Well, let's find out. Article goes on to say, quote, the new spirit encounters she has been experiencing are quite unusual, she stated, and she wasn't sure exactly why they were happening. It is getting a little bit strange over here, she added. Importantly, she admits that she doesn't understand these manifestations, stating, I can't tell entirely what's causing this. Despite that, she gives the impression of being concerned, though not overly concerned. Naively, she states that there are rules in place in her house regarding spirits coming and going. She said, here, spirits are allowed to pass into my space as long as they come with some kind of warning message or they are peacefully. I don't typically allow anything into my space that is negative or aggressive. She presumes the power to control spirits, but states at the same time regarding the new manifestations, quote, all of the spirit encounters that I have had recently have been for a reason. I just can't quite figure out what that is yet, close quote. The manifestations, as I am calling them, are unfortunately for her just that, likely signs of diabolical presence. She says, I have had whisperings 
I usually don't have whisperings in my house, she said. She has clearly already invited spirits into her house. She explained none of the present spirits, or should I say the consistent spirits, have a whispery tendency. You'll often find that some spirits will prefer to interact in certain ways, and none of the spirits that are permanent residents in my home have a whispery tendency. Do you see the slippery slope she's on here? She goes on to say, in addition, she hears phantom noises in places where there shouldn't be noises. She also has seen a lot of small shadows appearing. These are things that apparently she has not had in her house before. She stated that she did experience this in, previous, in a previous home some years ago, but this is the first time it has happened in her current home. The, be- the biggest thing, which is uh, actually unsettling to her, was the sound of knocking cabinets and appliances in her kitchen. It progressed from the back of the kitchen all the way to the door that was right next to her. It got louder and louder as it went. Her reaction to the kitchen banging was to simply ignore it and hope that it went away. Her experiences in the past have ranged from spirits that simply want to communicate with her and others that want to mess with her. The latter she decides to ignore, thinking they will realize that she is not interested and get bored and leave. In the past, when she has tried to tell a a difficult spirit to stop, it often makes things worse. Duh comes to mind. When you open wide the door to the spirit world, you are opening wide the door to the devil and the diabolic to have permission to do things to you. Do you want that? Well, then the simple answer is avoid the occult, avoid the diabolic, avoid these things. These witches lie to themselves. They rationalize, they believe, they want to tell themselves that what they're doing is somehow okay, that it's white or magic or what have you, but does not exist. Just ask an exorcist. They'll tell you it's all bad. It all leads to bad things, and you should not do it. And if you experience these things or know someone that does, the answer is to go and see your priest or an exorcist, preferably an exorcist, if you can find them. Good luck. Start with your priest first. Pray. Pray for those that are slaves to this. We'll be right back. Father Vincent Lampert is coming up next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say that Catholic theology is too dogmatic? That the faith should be freer, more liberal? Well, G.K. Chesterton says there will be no end to the weary debates about liberalizing theology until people face the fact that the only liberal part of it is really the dogmatic part. Their problem, he says, is not that there's not enough freedom in the dogma, but rather too much. The dogma gives man too much freedom when it permits him to actually be responsible for his sins. The dogma gives God too much freedom when it permits him to suffer and die. The dogma gives the church too much freedom when it gives it authority. It's not the doctrines that limit us. It is the denial of them. It's only the truth that makes us free. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org 
Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for the world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now more headlines. Justin News reports Uvalde suspends elementary school principal after a report shows lack security enabled shooter. The superintendent of the Uvalde School District has suspended Rob Elementary School principal Mandy Gutierrez with pay following a report that indicated the school's weak security enabled a mass shooting that saw many young students killed. A Texas investigative uh, committee report attributed the lethality of the incident in part to school administrative policies and the disorganized response from law enforcement. While 376 law enforcement officers responded to the shooting, poor coordination and weak leadership prevented any of them from making a timely effort to enter the building and confront the shooter. Breitbart reports Dutch farmers block highways with manure and burning hay to protest globalist climate agenda. The Netherlands was left scrambling, trying to clear dozens of road blockades consisting of manure, hay, tires, and other waste heaped on the roads by supporters of the Dutch farmer protest movement against the globalist government of Prime Minister Mark Rutte. The protests from the farmers are in response to the attempt by Mark Rutte's government to implement radical plants to cut nitrogen emissions from livestock in half by the year 2030. In order to satisfy goals laid out in the European Union's Natura 2000 scheme, which mandates that member states must remove industry or farming from areas deemed to be of ecological importance. The Epic Times reports Maryland schools' guidelines hide child's gender transition from parents. When it comes to communicating with families, school principals and staff are instructed to first speak to the student and ascertain the level and support the student either receives or anticipates receiving from home when discussing their gender transition. And if you want to stay informed and inspired, check out uh, our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt, and make sure to sign up for the email list. Email list goes out tomorrow, and we've got all kinds of great goodies for you there, so make sure to check it out, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Now we're going to play an interview with Father Vincent Lampert, an exorcist out of Indiana, on the dangers of the occult and the diabolical. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Father Vincent Lampert. He is a priest in the uh, Archdiocese of Indianapolis and an exorcist. And we're very grateful for your time this morning, Father. Thank you for being on. Yes, it's good to be with you this morning. Now, praise be to God, uh, Indianapolis, most of my family is from Indiana, uh, you know, uh, sort of more to the, the south of Indianapolis, mostly Cloverdale, you know, Terre Haute, places like that. But uh, so I have a, 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 I've been to Indiana many times in my life and I have a deep connection there. So it's a, such a beautiful part of our country. Um, but I want to jump into uh, your work as an exorcist uh, because... I think it's one of those topics where most lay, lay folk get our information from some of the greatest sources in Hollywood about, uh, about the devil, the diabolic, and, <laughs> and most people are just af- simply afraid uh, to educate themselves on the topic, 
And I, I find that um, rather curious because once I personally uh, heard from Exorcist or, and even like Adam Bly, a demonologist, for instance, I felt empowered by the information and I grew in confidence in our, in our faith versus uh, more scared or nervous or what have you. So I, I would like to start by saying, what are some of the biggest myths in your career as an exorcist that you've had to debunk? Well, the, the first thing I would say is that one of the reasons why I am public about the ministry that I do is to help educate people and to debunk a lot of the myths that are out there. Many exorcists that are appointed may opt to remain anonymous, but I've always felt that it's important today to help educate people because a lot of people today have a mentality that dualism, that somehow God and the devil are on the same playing field and they're kind of equal in their power. And certainly people need to realize that the devil is still a creature and there's no way that a creature can be elevated to the same level as God, our creator. So that's one of the main things that people need to realize is that once we fully understand who the devil is and what he's capable of and his limitations, then we come to realize that the devil is nothing to fear. That's a great point. Um, I, I wonder if people even realize that's what they're doing. Like they, they're, they're saying and believing that, but they don't know that they think they know that they're saying and believing that they're sort of elevating the devil to a platform that he doesn't deserve or doesn't, doesn't possess. Uh, so that's an excellent first one. What about, what about more of the uh, sort of the more of the salacial details, sort of like the, the bombastic elements of demonic possession? Do, do you find that like the people are overly fascinated with the, the, the spinning of the heads, levitation, <laughs> frothing at the mouth stuff? That's usually the only stuff that people want to hear about. You know, the manifestations of the demonic always attract people's attention. There's a joke amongst exorcists that if you're going to give a talk about Jesus, about 20 people are going to show up. But if you're going to talk about the devil, 200 people are going to show up. <laughs> We're always fascinated by the manifestations of the devil, the spinning heads, the levitation, eyes rolled in the back of the head, foaming at the mouth. These are all things that I've seen over the years but then, you know, at some point, you just realize that these are all theatrics of the devil because the devil basically is saying, look at what I'm capable of doing. So he wants to distract people away from the power of God that God wants to enact in people's lives. So as an exorcist, I'm not really focused on what the devil is doing. I want to stay focused on what God is doing to help bring, bring relief into the life of somebody who is being afflicted by the evil one. You know, Father, I was talking to my cousin the other day, and we were discussing the fact that uh, she was saying, like, oh, you know, my they're not Catholic. Uh, my, my uncle is a former Catholic, and the rest of them are not Catholic at all. And uh, my cousin was saying, yeah, my mom just bought a, uh, some tarot cards, and she, like, you know, she doesn't actually believe in it or anything, and my sister has some, and she kind of plays with them. And, uh, and we went to New Orleans, and we were going to all those shops and buying the stuff, but that voodoo stuff, it's not really real, right? And uh, could you please uh, like explain what's going on here? And even if you don't believe in it, like, what's the problem here? Well, the main problem is that it's inherently evil. There are ties to the occult. And just because somebody may be using these things as a form of entertainment doesn't negate the fact that there's a demonic component to it. Oftentimes, people can open up an entry point for the demonic into their lives indirectly. They're doing things that they believe are fun and entertaining, but in reality, they open up people's lives to evil. 
even St. Paul mentions the fact that Satan transforms himself into an angel of light, and he deceives many people. And there's a lot of people today that are being deceived by things of the occult, again, believing they're just fun and entertainment, but again, they are entry points for the demonic into someone's life. And, you know, right now, what's really popular is this social media platform called TikTok, and it's uh, really popular among young people, and right now, all over TikTok is promoting of these uh, healing crystals and using crystals and uh, manifestations of like willing it to the, willing something through the universe. All these things are very, very popular on uh, this social media platform targeting young people, especially children. Um, and I think it was um, the Teen Vogue put an article about how to do magic with uh, women's uh, menstrual, you know, there and so the cycle and so. Uh, how do we respond to these situations, the crystals, the manifestations, all these things that are targeting our, our children, our young people? Yeah, I don't think people realize that their involvement with all these things is violating the first commandment, that we should never have a substitute for God in our lives. And when people turn to the things of the occult, whether it's uh, crystals, going to see a psychic or a medium, practicing magic, all of these things are condemned in the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament because, again, people are looking for a substitute for God, and unfortunately, the substitute that they're looking for is themselves. And that's the fall of humanity in the book of Genesis with Adam and Eve when the serpent says to Eve, surely you will not die, you will, you will become like God. And a lot of people today want to substitute themselves for God, and they use these things from the occult, to try to convince themselves that they have powers and abilities. Father Vincent Lampert is our guest. He is a priest in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. He's also an exorcist, and uh, I believe you you were brought into the ministry by your bishop in 2005. Was that is that correct? Yes, I was appointed in 2005. The Archdiocese of Indianapolis has always had a stably appointed exorcist. Even when it fell out of practice in many dioceses after the Second Vatican Council, Indianapolis has always had one. So when I was appointed back in 2005, I became one of 12 uh, stably appointed exorcists in the United States. Today that number has grown to about 125. In your time as an exorcist, what's been the most uh, nerve-wracking situation you've ever been in in this ministry? I think one of the biggest challenges is that oftentimes when people contact me, they've already self-diagnosed, mm. meaning they've gone on the Internet, they've done their own research. So rarely do our people contact me saying, Father, there's something going on in my life. Can you help me figure out what it is? The majority of people already believe that they're possessed and they need an exorcism. Mm. And that's been the most uh, nerve-wracking or stressful component of your apostle is just dealing with all... I mean, uh, my wife would probably say that I'm possessed most of the time, so <laughs> I think it's all relative. But I imagine that uh, the, the, the rite of exorcism has a very systematic approach towards figuring out whether or not someone is experiencing something supernatural versus something more mundane. Yes, you know, I get about 2,000 calls and emails a year Wow, <laughs> from people all over the United States, even other parts of the world, who believe they're dealing with the demonic. So, you know, I try to network with other exorcist priests throughout the world. I belong to the International Association of Exorcists, so if I'm contacted by somebody, you know, from a different country, I'd reach out to a priest or a colleague that I know there. 
here in the United States, I would reach out to other cities and other guys. But yeah, the biggest challenge is really trying to... There will come a day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Have you ever thought, well, why can't a prayer at a Catholic Mass cause the Holy Spirit to come upon the bread and wine and thus turn it into the actual body and blood of Jesus? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, remember, three of the most magnificent miracles were a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone or something such as the Holy Spirit came upon the face of the deep and God created the world. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she brought forth Jesus in her womb. Secondly, a boatload of scriptural support, such as 1 Corinthians 10, 16, which says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And thirdly, my honest reflection. Your transformation after a prayer for conversion was not and is not noticeable in the human eye. So then why do you reject a prayer which transforms bread and wine into Jesus' body and blood? I know the reason. Just a whole bunch of people have told you that. as well as uh, The Exorcist. So I do have somebody that helps me. I think having a sense of humor is a good thing, so the lady that's my helper that helps go through all the calls and emails, I call her my exorcistant. Because so. <laughs> <laughs> I think when you deal with people that are you know, kind of on the fringe, so to speak, yeah. uh, a good sense of humor is a good way to stay grounded. Exorcist humor, I love that. That's great. <laughs> I can only imagine the jokes when you guys get together for your your conference. <laughs> uh, Father Vincent Lampert is our guest. He is a priest in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. He's also an exorcist, as you have been listening. We've been talking about that. We're, we're about ready to go to a break here in just a moment. Uh, one of the, the last points I want, you'll probably have about 30 f- seconds or so. Uh, the curiosity killed the cat. That's a thing, right? I mean, lay folks, we're not entitled to know all the is to know and sometimes you know because we think we ought to know it can get us in trouble right absolutely yeah there are parameters that we're called to live within you know obedience is one of the key words that's uh that needs to be tied to a life of faith and certainly adam and eve were not obedient to god and look what happened so obedience is a key element that needs to be a part of all of us all of our lives on our spiritual journey. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Great to be on with you this morning. Father Vincent Lampert is our guest. He is a priest in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. He's also an exorcist, and he is graciously giving us an opportunity to ask questions about exorcists and exorcisms, the diabolic possession, harassments, and chastisements, and all of that. We're very grateful for being on the program today, Father. Thank you again. Uh, before we went to the break, we're talking. To, I, I brought up the point of the you know curiosity killed the cat. I think that's it's one of the big issues uh, us humans. But I'm thinking in terms of lay folk in particular. We we sort of feel like we're entitled to know everything, and um, 
and that can sort of drive us to make decisions. I feel like that's one of the ways in which uh, we can be tempted to uh, to uh, commit sins. And so to that end, in, in regards to exorcisms and exorcists, I, that these demons smell that on us, don't they? I mean, like when people want to participate or like when lay folks say, can I come hang out with you while you're in an exorcist session or exorcism session rather? I mean, the devil can smell uh, the, the weakness there and, and then they do certain things to exploit that, do they not? They do. You know, the, the devil works on people's memories, imaginations. The devil can watch and observe us, kind of uh, identify what our weaknesses might be and then use those as to be entry points into our lives. So if people have a, a fascination with the occult, with ghost hunting, those types of things, people are actually giving the devil and his demons an entry point into their lives. And again, just because people think it's fun and entertaining doesn't negate the fact that you know the devil is trying to, uh, to use us. And people also need to realize that we can never use the devil you know, we might think that sometimes we have the upper hand when it comes to the demonic when we're engaged in occult activities, you know, like a psychic or a medium. The church would say that person does not have the power that they think they have. Either they've been duped by evil that's working through them, or they know it's the evil working through them, and they go along with it because they want the notoriety, the attention, the money, or whatever it might be. So... There is that danger where people might begin with a sense of curiosity, but then it leads to a relationship with the demonic, and then people's lives will begin to spiral downwards. Uh, Father, I wanted to go back a little bit to what you had said a second ago about the fact that your diocese has had an exorcist perpetually, uh, whereas a lot of places it kind of fell off. What is the belief in, in the spiritual world and in demonic and uh, spiritual warfare among the clergy, the bishops, and the like? I'm thinking of specifically when the, uh, the, the great scandal, when the, the superior of the Jesuits came out saying that the devil wasn't real. And uh, it makes me remember the quote of C.S. Lewis saying that the greatest trick the devil ever played was to convince people that he wasn't real. Uh, so what is the belief in the devil among clergy and bishops like today? I think that opinion is varied, even though the church very clearly teaches that uh, evil is personified in what we call the devil and his demons. It doesn't mean that uh, everyone within the church actually accepts that belief. Even in 1972, when Pope Paul at a Wednesday audience spoke about the reality of the devil, I think his comments caught a lot of people off guard, thinking that somehow after the Second Vatican Council and going through the 1960s, that the Church had left uh, the devil behind, and that if evil did exist, it was nothing more than humanity's inhumane treatment of one another. But the Church has always consistently taught from the very beginning that evil is personified in what we call the devil and his demons. But it is true that even within the Church, even within the hierarchy, you will find a lot of people that simply reject that belief. And how did that belief start to fall off? Because you said that it was after the Second Vatican Council. So what happened at that time period that caused belief in the, in the demonic to, uh, to plummet? I think as we began to grow in our understanding and knowledge, our own intelligence, so to speak, that somehow we believe that we outgrew the need for the devil. So you look at here in the United States, in the Western world, you know, we believe in a lot of... Uh, you know, psychology, 
and certainly that does need to be factored in. But just because psychology is being factored in doesn't mean that we reject a core belief that's been a part of Catholicism from the very beginning. You know, I've been, as an exorcist, I've been able to travel to other parts of the world. When I was in South Africa, for example, a few years ago, there's a culture that readily accepts spiritual realities. But I think here in the West, we don't because we believe that somehow we're in control of everything. Mm. So there must be some pill or medicine that people can take <laughs> to get rid of that delusion that they're dealing with the demonic. And that reminds me of, I was uh, talking to a friend of mine, and we were talking about how, you know, we can find good in, all, in everything because, you know, God is good and God is true, so that means everything, there must be some nugget of good and truthfulness in all things. And so we should learn from, from uh, the secular society and learn from these kind of things. And my point was, you know, whenever we were, he was referring back to, like, Aristotle, Plato, and that kind of thing, and I was like, the pre-Christian societies... There was something there because they're striving after reason in a in a way that they were unexposed to the Christianity. But we today in America and uh, and across the Western world are in a post-Christian society. We have ex we had Jesus, we had Christianity, and we rejected him. Uh, does this factor in into the way the reason why spirituality and is on the fall and demonic activities uh, seems to be on the rise? Yeah, I think that's a great point because. There's a difference between exorcisms performed in what I call the apostate world and the pagan world. So in a part of the world where someone may have never heard the good news of Jesus Christ, and if they're possessed, the exorcism is immediate and effective. Sometimes people will ask, well, why do exorcisms have to be repeated? Jesus commanded the demon to leave once and it departed. But why are they repeated in the Western world? And it goes on to what you just said. Christianity built western civilization but now we unfortunately have a lot of people who uh, no longer believe mm. and people who have rejected the gospel once they've heard it it does seem that the demonic has a greater hold on them father vincent lampert is our guest we have about i don't know i guess five minutes or so left in our conversation with him um Father, I want to talk about the, sort of the essence of what happens during an exorcism. I think one of the misunderstandings that I've uh, personally encountered, in, not only in my life but the life people I've talked to, is that there's a misunderstanding of of how things work in the spiritual realm. There's an order, and there's uh, the, it's very legalistic, is what I've been told. Can you talk about that? It is very legalistic. So. Uh just as much as there is a hierarchy within the angelic world, there is a hierarchy within the demonic world. So demons still operate under certain parameters that God permits. You know, for example, one time I was um, working with somebody who was possessed, and when the demon manifested, the demon told me that it did not have to leave because the person had invited the demon in. Mm. So the demon was making a claim on the life of the person because they had made a pact with the devil. But you could say that in an exorcism, the devil or his demons are commanded to return that which they have stolen, namely a person created in the image and likeness of God. We as humans can grow in holiness and virtue, and because we can grow in holiness and virtue, we can reject uh, any you know, connection with the demonic that we've made. The demons would try to convince us otherwise. But again, you, know, you look at many of the great saints of the church, they had some pretty storied past but they were able to overcome their past sinfulness. I think of St. Augustine, for example, mm. and then went on to be a great saint of the church. Uh, again, we're down to like two and a half minutes or so. Uh, one is, uh, 
people just can't be possessed arbitrarily, correct? I mean, I think that's one of the fears is that the, the devil can just enter people at will and do whatever they want, and, uh, and that's just not the case. No, I mean, if that was the case, we would be living in a completely chaotic world. So demons, again, can only do that which God permits. And again, we do have free will, and if we use our free will in such a way as to create an entry point for the demonic, then the devil will certainly take advantage of that. But a, de a demon cannot just arbitrarily jump into someone. People have asked me before during an exorcism, is there ever the danger that the demon will jump out of one person and into another? We should never give the devil more credit than he is due. That's a powerful understanding, the trust in God in all things. What about all of the manifestations that seem very scary, uh, the, the, the crazy voices we hear, the sounds and, and the levitations and all of those things? Should, uh, should we have fear of all of that? No, again, all those things are meant to be attention getters. You know, you think of a child throwing a temper tantrum, he wants attention, and so the manifestations of the demon are really a temper tantrum because the demon wants to say, don't look at what God's trying to do here, look at what I'm capable of doing. Because the devil wants to instill fear, and if we give in to fear, then we lose our sense of hope. So again, you know, over the years I've learned not to pay attention to the theatrics of the devil, because I want to stay focused on the power of God. The human person is created in the image and likeness of God, and if we've made a connection with the demonic and we want to reach out to God, God will always take us by the hand. Praise be to God in all things. That was Father Vincent Lampert from a conversation we had, I want to say, uh, at least a year ago, on the uh, the devil, the occult, and all of these things. You know, stay away from them. Ouija boards, uh, crystals, tarot cards, palm readers, horoscopes. All of this stuff is bad for you, for your family, for your loved ones, for your friends. And uh, if you have people in your life that are in this situation, you know, try to encourage them to pray the rosary and to talk to a Catholic priest and potentially even an exorcist. Contact your diocese for more information on that. But uh, if you want the full conversation, make sure to be on our email list. I'll include that in tomorrow's email of Catholic Drive Time. Comes out tomorrow afternoon. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But coming up after the break, Tito Edwards from BigBulba.com is going to talk about the priest in the water. What is, what, what? We'll be right back. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Should churches have a structure of hierarchy? Your average non-Catholic evangelical would say, no, not needed. Here are the key reasons given. Each church or denomination should be autonomous and choose their own way of governing. Well, that's wrong. Hierarchy engenders pride and ego. Same as false humility. What works in Tulsa may not work in Paris. Let's not forget that Jesus and his church cross international boundaries. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Natural reason, the Bible, and the church. Natural reason says all social and legal institutions institutions necessitate certain human boundaries and designated leadership. Religion's not exempt. The Bible. The epistles of Peter, James, John, and Paul show clear standards of jurisdiction, authority, and hierarchy with ramifications when ignored. And thirdly, the Catholic Church. St. Peter was given a chair, and from that authoritative chair the Holy Spirit was promised to lead that chair until Christ comes. And thirdly, the Catholic Church says St. Peter was given a chair, and from that authoritative chair the Holy Spirit was promised to lead that chair until Christ comes. The legs have been wobbly over the centuries at times, but that chair still stands strong. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. Summer's here, and one of the most important things you can do with your children this summer is waste time with them. 
One of the best ways to waste time with kids is by playing with them. Card games, board games, group games, charades. But why are fun and games so important in family life? Having fun as a family reminds us that we are more than just a breadwinner or a chore machine. It's a way of reclaiming our identity as a family and spending time in those relationships that matter most. Fun and games helps to grease the wheels in family life and helps everyone to live and work together more effectively. Enjoying the presence of those we love also gives us a foretaste of heaven, that wonderful communion that we will have with loved ones and with God our Father. So ask yourself and your spouse this important question. How can we play together as a family this summer? For more on this topic, listen to our podcast on games at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to GRNOnline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. I'm Father Peter Damien from Holy Rosary, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. You, Praise be to God. In the last hour, if you missed it, we replayed an interview we had with Father Vincent Lampert, an exorcist out of Indiana, about the dangers of the occult. And it it never ceases to surprise me how many Catholics still dabble in the occult. You think, you know, your common sense would kick in and go, you know, this is bad stuff. Uh, But but too many, too many, in fact, still go to botanicas, palm readers, tarot cards, horoscopes, crystals. I mean, it's like we look everywhere else. It's like we put our backs to the door of the church and we just look out. Like, well, somewhere out there has got to be the truth. How about we just turn around? Look behind us. Find the gift, the treasure hidden in a field. And maybe then we could sell everything we have to purchase that field. Father Vincent Lampert's been on the show a few times. That's such a great conversation, very insightful and inspirational. So we're going to be linking to that conversation in our email that we're going to be sending out to our CDT Insiders crew, uh, which will go out tomorrow. If you're not on the list, let me encourage you to join our CDT Insider email list on our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. In addition to Father Vincent's uh, 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 interview that we just played, or at least most of it we did anyway, we didn't play the whole thing, I also have a really cool entertainment for you this week. Yeah, uh, I am on a Gregory Peck kick right now. Let's just, that's the hint. Gregory Peck, Catholic priest, super cool. You're going to enjoy it. I'm going to put that in the email tomorrow as well as our memory hole video series from Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Joe. However, I I may not release one tomorrow. Uh, my mom's going to be in town, so I'm gonna, probably going to be spending time with my mom, but we'll see. I might uh, put together something a little bit quicker. Typically, I go through five different stories. Maybe I'll I'll keep you abreast of uh, two or three different stories that uh, that you should remember. Yeah, praise be to God. Uh, well, we survived. We had a lot of technical problems in playing that interview, and Ooh, I intend to have Adrian Fonseca fully scourged and beaten uh, thoroughly after the show. So, <laughs> good morning to you, Adrian. There were zero technical problems. It was all in your head. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. Well, there you go. In my head and the head of all those who listened online. Um, so, 
that's fun, but it comes with the comes with the territory, right, Adrian? Yep. That's the way it goes. There you go. From your from your lips to God's ears. Hey, coming up here in just one moment, we're going to be speaking with Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com. Uh, but uh, you're going to have a chance to win some prizes. You get an opportunity, three more chances today, uh, at 15 past the hour, to win this week's prize pack in our Fear and Trembling prize show. So all you need to do is be our first caller when we give you the phone number, and you can play the game. It's super easy. It's a lot of fun, and you could win. We'll give out the prize on Friday, so that's tomorrow. So you get three chances today, three chances tomorrow. I'll give you the phone number at 15 past the hour, so be ready, be on standby to make that call. So that's coming up, fear and trembling. But joining us right now via Zoom chat is our good friend Tito Edwards from Bigpulpit.com. Good morning to you, Tito. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Rudy and Adrian. Praise be to God. How are you, my friend? I'm doing fantastic. Really good. How's now, everything over there in Houston? Now, you're a world traveler, aren't you? So, like, where in the world are you now? Are you, like, Milan or, or like, uh, you uh, like the beaches of Greece? Like, where are you right now? <laughs> uh, right now, I'm visiting my mom and my two brothers here in Las Vegas. That's almost as good as Milan or the beaches in Greece. So, uh, congratulations, Las Vegas. Praise be to God. <laughs> yes, thank you. It's It's nice visiting family. Not so much Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much Las Vegas is true. <laughs> Speaking of Milan, uh, we covered this story a few day, a couple days ago uh, about this priest there who somehow, some way, thought it was good and holy to do was to strip down to his uh, swim trunks and go into the water and just say holy mass on an air mattress, a blow-up mattress. Uh, but there's been some follow-up to that story. Um, we, I posted my own video of uh, my, my disgust of this situation on our YouTube channels. But uh, what's the follow-up here? It seems like it caught up. It was a viral video that went around the world, not just within Italy itself. And the Archdiocese issued a uh, somewhat a, a non-apology quoting uh, Pope Francis in his latest mode appropriate saying that we need to have a reverent and and dignified uh, Novus Ordo Mass. And the priest himself uh, gave, he also gave a non-apology. Yeah. Saying, quote, unquote, it was perhaps imprudent. <laughs> and so um, it, it just, I don't understand. A priest right. of all people should know how the sanctity of Mass and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the Blessed Sacrament and understand how could he have even the idea to come across his mind of doing that. So it, it just begs a question on the education and, and, the, and the teaching of the priests in, in Italy, uh, in Milan, of all places, uh, where St. Ambrosio was and St. Augustine converted, that this would have happened at all. Yeah. yeah th- I mean, it's bizarre. To, I was trying to explain this to my father yesterday, who is not Catholic, like, what's going on here? And there are so many layers to this. On one layer alone, just think about the practical, you know, base layer here. You have a Catholic priest who said, hey, let's get in our bathing suits and go to the beach with teenagers. Is this not a red flag? This is a red flag. He strips down to his, his swimming trunks, and I'm hoping they're actual trunks and not Speedos, which is a very common thing in Europe for men, which is, you know disgusting and gross in my opinion but nonetheless uh he had no shirt on it's like with with teens that he's supposed to be uh on retreat with i find that terribly uh 
troubling. Like that's a red flag, right? You, this is this is a problem. We shouldn't be doing this, especially given the light of how much uh, scandal the church has had to endure at the hands of uh, the sins against chastity with priests. So on one level alone, there's a red flag, and there's no mention of that in this statement. There's no, there's no, hey, you know what, you're right, I probably should have left my shirt on. Like, there's nothing. The, the priest, his, uh, what looked like an altar server, and the attendees of the Mass itself, I, I, I'm going to go step on a stick and say that I, I was traumatized to see uh, ladies um, in two-piece bikinis watching the the sacrifice of the mass in the beach in the water mm-hmm. uh, at a so-called uh, uh, young adult or, or youth retreat that uh, they had in the south of Italy on the Calabria po- uh, coast. So yeah, of course, uh, of course, it's it's uh, we have uh, a path to righteous anger towards what's happened over there, and at the same time, I, I am still baffled that. A priest would think that this was prudent to begin with, to use his own words, and 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 he he's not even certain if it was prudent or not because he 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 uh, addresses it as imprudent, uh, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just it, like you said before, it was a non-apology. I'm sorry, but not really. You know, it's like when if you if you say something that offends people, and you go, "Listen, if this offended you, then I'm sorry." Uh, well, that's not actually you being sorry. It's just, you know, it's a reaction to someone else's reaction. So I I find this troubling. Do you think anything will come from this from his bishop? Do you think that he'll be, you know, censured or any sort of correction at all? My best guess is no, but I I really don't know the church politics of that part of the country in Milan. I understand it's somewhat liberal, uh, not so much faithful to the teachings of the, the magisterium. But uh, I just don't see anything uh, good coming from this at all. No education, no educative uh, uh, impetus to, to to teach the faithful what is right and what is wrong. To, at the and to be charitable, maybe they were they were remembered when Pope John Paul II was a simple priest taking out his young adult groups out on those kayaking trips, and this and they, they would set up the kayak as the altar, and Pope John Paul would be over there uh, celebrating mass. But we have to understand that Pope John Paul did that only because, A, he was not allowed to be wearing his clericals, B, he's not allowed to have uh, uh, organized uh, retreats without the communist government's approval. We have to understand this was communist Poland at the time. And when he did celebrate Mass, he wore a stole, and the appropriate, and at minimum, covered his legs with a pair of pants and a short sleeve shirt. So uh, any references to that, uh, just does not compare to what happened in, in southern Italy. Yeah, I mean, the other issue, too, is just in general, going back to this priest and his response, let alone the diocese, it's like uh, he he did basically make, uh, you know, fluff this off, like, I don't understand, what's the big deal? We were at the beach, it was hot, so we wanted to be comfortable. You know, college you ways, think about how many priests who have said, I made this point the other day, how many priests that have said mass uh, on the backs of uh, jeeps in war-torn situations, you know, fully vested, for instance. Um, uh, you know, Father, uh, uh, the, the Grunt Padre out of Vietnam who died in 1968 trying to save the uh-huh. lives of others. 
uh, well, not Capon, the other one, uh, uh, Capadano, thank you, Father Vincent Capadano. You know, he would say mass in the jungle in high humidity, let alone high heat, with, with insects trying to, you know, eat your skin alive. And he still put the vestments on. It's like, the, where there's a will, there's a way. And what we're seeing, rather, is an excuse. And a, it's a symptom to a greater problem, in my opinion. And one of the points I made the other day was, you know, it, it's not too much to ask every Nova Sordo priest to do the red and say the black. Uh, but instead, what we see is this insatiable desire to get creative, as though they are performing for an audience, for their TikTok crowd, that they have to impress and keep high. I'll never forget, uh, when I moved to the area that I live in now, I discovered all these mega church pastors, and I found there was uh, television commercials for this one mega church, Protestant church in our area, and, and Pirates of the Caribbean was in the movie theaters at the time, and he played on his stage at his church a replica of the pirate ship for uh, Captain Sparrow. And, and I was watching this commercial, and it was like a two-by-four across the face to realize these poor people, they have to come up with a complete production every single week. Imagine the stress of having to come up with singing elements, preaching elements, visual elements, costumes, lights, camera, action. It's like a major play every single Sunday. That must wear them out versus being present at the mystical reality of the cross on, uh, on Calvary, offering up the once-for-all sacrifice for mankind. Why do they feel to, they, these Catholic priests need to get so performative, so creative in the liturgy? I believe uh, with the changes of, from uh, Vatican II, uh, one of them, a non-change, was going from ad orientum to ad populum. So they went, they, the idea was to bring the focus away from the tabernacle behind the altar, which was a vertical relationship with God and his people and made it the priest uh, with his back to God facing the people ad populum. And all of a sudden the focus went from the tabernacle to the priest. And now the priest unconsciously uh, feels that he needs to perform. And so uh, over the years, things keep creeping in. And now we have uh, the, the cowboy mass out in Germany. We've got the clown mass in Austria. We've got the beach mass down in the Calabrian uh, coast of south, southern Italy. So I, I think it's just a symptom of the, the many things that were changed that were not asked for. Yeah. So yes, it's, 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 the Protestants have the televangelists and now we have our neo, uh, priests trying to perform at almost every mass to keep mm -hmm. the people entertained and, and just because they, they remove the focus from the Eucharist to the priest, consciously or unconsciously. Yeah, it's definitely a scandal, and it's uh, very disturbing, as I said, on a number of levels. We have just about one minute left with Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com. I saw this morning uh, that the, uh, the, uh, the chair of St. Peter, the ordinariate, uh, the, you know, the... The Diocese Without Borders, is, uh, who brings in Anglican converts, is, being, is receiving an apostolic visitation in Australia. What is that about? you got about 60 seconds. <clears throat> I, well, I, I, will, I will admit that uh, I did not completely finish reading that. And to have an apostolic visitation means that the papal nuncio 
received something that was uh, uncomfortable. Uh, Apostolic visitations don't generally end well. So I don't know what's going on there. Maybe we can find out and uh, follow up on that. Tito Edwards, BigPulpit.com. God bless you, my friend. Thanks for being on with us. Thank you, brothers. All right, coming up after this break is Fear and Trembling. Your chance to win a prize is right now. Call 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Call right now. First caller gets to play the game at 877-757-9424. What should I keep in mind when I'm trying to defend my faith? Well, number one, ingrain this into your psyche. The Bible is a Catholic book. The Catholic Church gave it to the world, which means there is nothing, nothing in the Bible that is contrary to anything in the Catholic faith, and there is nothing in the Catholic faith that is contrary to anything in the Bible. Always remember that. This is important to remember because a lot of times folks will quote a passage from the Bible that proves the Catholic Church is wrong. Whenever someone quotes your Bible verse that proves the Catholic Church is wrong on something, your response should be, Amen. I believe what the Bible says. As a Catholic, I believe everything the Bible says. However, I don't agree with your personal and fallible interpretation of that passage. And the reason you don't agree with their personal interpretation is because 100% of the time you're presented with a verse that proves the Catholic Church wrong, that verse has either A, been taken out of context, or B, the verse simply doesn't say what they're trying to make it say. Number two, and this flows directly from number one, the Catholic Church can be defended solely from the Bible better than any other Christian faith tradition can be. A good bit in the various Protestant faith traditions actually contradicts the Bible, so do not be afraid to engage non-Catholics in a discussion of the Bible. And number three, if you are ever asked a question about your faith that you cannot answer, don't worry. There is an answer for that question. You just need to go and find it. Simply respond, I don't know, but I will find out and get back to you. Then find out and get back to them. As Catholics, we need to reclaim the Bible. It's our book. We need to read it, pray it, learn it, and use it to bring our separated brothers and sisters back to the church. If you keep these things in mind, you have started down the road to being a very effective apologist for the Catholic faith. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show with secrets and agendas. But what we need is a phone call on the line. Phone lines are open. You could play and win. It's really super easy and fun. All you need to do is pick up the phone and dial 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Adrian Fonseca standing by to take your call at 877-757-9424. One more time. 877-757-9424. Call right now. First caller gets to be the contestant. But there are a few things we like to do during our game show. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions. 
where you just might learn something you did not know before about your Catholic faith. Praise be to God. Number two, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time. And our callers, when they call 877-757-9424, are actually amazing. Praise be to God. Uh, but here's the kicker. Um, we give out prizes, which means it's a winner for everybody involved. But we do not ask the caller the questions. So they don't even need to know the correct answers. They could win without knowing a single correct answer, but they do need to call 877-757-9424. If you've never played the game before, call now, 877-757-9424. Uh, Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is uh, going to be Catholic hey, Candle Company. I need you to mute your, and yourself. They've offered generously a Mary and Joseph candle set. The set includes four candles, and the scents are inspired by St. Joseph and our Blessed Virgin Mary. They're hand-poured with a prayer in Franklinton, North Carolina. Please check out their wares and consider picking up a set for yourself. Just search for the Catholic Candle Company on Etsy. Thank you very much, Catholic Candle Company. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you very much, Catholic Candle Company. Um, by the way, That's by the way, what we're going to do apologies is there. I'm going to ask the questions to Rudy and to Adrian. One of them will get it right, and the other will get it wrong. And the caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? So that's how the game works. Let's go to the phones. Maria from Houston, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God, Maria. What part of town are you from? Uh, like Sunburn and West Belfort. Okay. And where do you go to church? Uh, Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi. Praise be to God. I haven't been to Corpus Christi Church in a long, long time. Uh, it's been a while, so praise be to God for that. Now, Maria, we're grateful you're on the line today. How, do, I mean, do you understand how the game works? Yes. All right. I've been uh, listening almost every day. Well, praise God. We're grateful to you, Maria. Thank you for doing that. Now, do you happen to have an opinion on who you think is trickier, Rudy or Adrian? Uh, no, they help. They're like equally tricky, you would say? Exactly. No, if you mm. said they help. They, they helpful. They help. help? Like help be tricky? <laughs> it's the unanimous consensus of the fathers okay. that Joe McLean is a tricky the one. the fathers? Mm -hmm. All mm -hmm. kinds of help. All kinds of help, you say. All right, yeah. well, you should know, Maria, because I'm on your side. Uh, you should okay. be aware that uh, generally a Rudy wears a tie. But today, uh -huh. not only is he not wearing a tie, he's wearing an ascot. Yeah. So you need to <laughs> correlate that information based on, I don't know, we'll have to see how it goes, but uh, let's play the game. Rudy, good morning to you. How are you, sir? Good, good morning, Joe. Wow, it's a technical difficulty day here. I'm getting a delay here, so I'm just going to roll with the punches here. I am wearing an ascot. All right, very <laughs> good. Right. You look very dapper in your, in your ascot. We don't see ascots very often. Although Thanks. we did, have, I'm bringing the 1800s back. We did have one guest in CDT history who did wear an ascot during our interview. Really? So, yes, it's true. True story. Wow. So you are in a distinguished crowd, good sir. But are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yep. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, could you tell me, please, who was the first apostle to be martyred? Okay, that's an easy one, Joe. Thanks for giving me that easy one this morning. All right. It happens to be St. Peter. Uh, he was really? uh, martyred upside down. Wow. No kidding. 
Uh, St. Peter, you say. All right. Um, This could be tricky then. I don't know. Adrian, uh, I know you're an expert on the fathers. You mentioned them a second ago. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, But could you tell me who was the first apostle to be martyred? Yes. As a self-identified Ph.D. in the pre-Nicene fathers, I would actually know the answer to that question. Praise God. And the answer is Uh St. James. Really? The greater. Oh. Not the lesser. I was going to say. Not the lesser. The lesser. St. James the greater. I see where you're mm-hmm. going. Okay. The apostle to Spain. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Fantastic. All right, Maria. You got choices. The first apostle to be martyred, was it St. James the greater, as Adrian is suggesting? Or was it St. Peter, as Rudy is saying? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Maria in Saint Houston, James. what say you? St. James. Very confident in your response. Nice. Nice. Can't trick her. Not even. See how helpful we were. Yeah, praise be to God. See how helpful we were. St. James the Greater is the correct answer. You made that look easy, Maria. Well, I listen to you uh, most of the time, so I learned. (laughs) Praise be to God. Technically, you're probably not learning from me. But, it's uh, true. <laughs> but, but, but and I'm sure Rudy's cravat gave it away. Yeah, there you go. All right, praise <laughs> be to God. You're in for one, Maria. Congratulations. This next one could possibly be the hardest question of the day. Mm. See, mm-hmm. He agrees. Okay. So it's pretty hard. Stand by. It's over. <laughs> it's over. All right, here we go. Adrian, we'll start with you. That's me. Hi. Adrian, can you tell me? Yes. What term refers to the erroneous belief erroneous. that the body and blood of Christ coexist mm. with the substance of the bread and wine in the Holy Eucharist? Okay, this is a great word. That This is a $10 word. If you get this on Scrabble, you're pretty much guaranteed to win. It's transignification. Really? Yes. Wow. Transignification, you say? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Um, Maria, I think we should get a second opinion on this. Let's see what Rudy says. Rudy, can you tell me what term refers to the erroneous belief that the body and blood of Christ coexist with the substance of bread and wine in the Holy Eucharist? Ooh, man, if you ever hear anybody talking about this, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you're in the wrong place. Yeah. It's what's known as consubstantiation. Really? Consubstantiation. As in with substance. I so, see, I yeah. see. Well, Maria, mm. I, I said this was going to be the hardest and trickiest. I think it's true. Rudy says consubstantiation is uh, this erroneous belief where the body and blood of Christ are existing at the same time as bread and wine. Whereas Adrian says it was, uh, what'd you say it was? Transignification. Transignification. Who's right? Who is wrong? Maria, you got 15 seconds. What do you say? Rudy. I'm sorry? It's Rudy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Curveball to the low left corner. You, you didn't even swing. Congratulations. <laughs> Praise be to God. It is consubstantiation. That is... Trans, what did you say? Transignification. It's the uh, belief, it's the erroneous belief that the bread and water don't change. Mm-hmm. They just change symbols mm-hmm. once the priest says the words of consecration. Now, that is tricky because it's very close to the word transubstantiation, which, yeah. that was a curveball. <laughs> I could see people swinging at that. 
Uh, but congratulations, consubstantiation is correct. You're in for two. You're doing great. And I'm going to be honest with you, this third one's a gimme. It's a super easy gimme. You got this. I don't like. Don't this even, is the hardest question you've ever had. Don't actually. even respond, Maria. It's when I ask, over. this is the Just hardest question we've put her ever in had the cup three in times. the history of the show. This is the hardest question. I don't know. Let's find out, Rudy. We're going to start with you, Rudy. All right. Can you tell me? S V P Sierra Victor Papa stands for which society? What are we talking about, gangs here? Or are we talking about the Society of Vivacious Priests? You tell me. What is it? Well, I'm going to go with Society of Vivacious Priests. Vivacious? Is that what that vivacious? Yeah, that's a word? lively. i got to Google that. Vivacious. vivacious. <laughs> Society of Vivacious Priests. I'm almost afraid to Google that. I don't think I want to know what that means. <laughs> uh, but uh, well, let's just see here. Adrian, can you tell me SVP, Sierra Victor Papa? Uh, stands for which society? Okay, yes. Mm-hmm. The SVP mm-hmm. stands for the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. Oh, okay. A lot okay. more letters mm-hmm. than SVP. Yeah. But there you go, folks. But, but nonetheless. Mm-hmm. All right, Maria. Remember, uh, we're both wearing cravats. <laughs> <laughs> Maria, uh, Adrian says it stands for the Society of St. Vincent de Paul, but Rudy says it stands for the Society of Vivacious Priests. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Who is in Milan? Maria, what say you? Adrian. Uh, Adrian, you're just going to admit it just like that easy? You're just going to go straight to Adrian? <laughs> Not fooled in the slightest. Not so fooled in the slightest. Adrian ain't putting up with no vivacious priests. Yeah. It ain't going to happen. No lively priest in my book. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, you are correct, Maria. Society of St. Vincent de Paul is the correct answer. You're in for three. You played such a great game, Maria. You did very, very well. Praise be to God. Well, God bless you, Maria. Thank you for having a laugh with us today and having a good time. And uh, good luck. Hopefully, by God's grace, it'll be your name coming out of that cup tomorrow. But whatever you're doing today, we're going to be praying for you. Have a great day. God bless you all. God bless you, too. We'll put you on hold. And that is going to do it for the radio side of Catholic Drive Time. Thank you all for joining us and having a good conversation around the occult and so much more. Share it with a friend, especially if they're involved in that. But if you can hang out with us in the after show, we want to know what you think. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Thank you for joining us on your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to Jesus. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi. Today we offer the Thursday of the 17th week of the year. We offer this Mass for all of our online viewers and all those listening in the Guadalupe Radio Network. 
reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. This word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Rise up, be off to the potter's house. There I will give you my message. I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at the wheel. Whenever the object of clay which he was making turned out badly in his hand, he tried again, making of the clay another object of whatever sort he pleased. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Can I not do to you, house of Israel, as this potter has done, says the Lord? Indeed, like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, house of Israel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God while I live. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob. Put not your trust in princes, in the sons of men in whom there is no salvation. When his spirit departs, he returns to his earth. On that day his plans perish. 
Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob. Blessed he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Open our hearts, O Lord, to listen to the words of your Son. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, The kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea, which collects fish of every kind. When it is full, they haul it ashore, and sit down to put what is good into buckets. What is bad, they throw away. Thus it will be at the end of the age. The angels will go out and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Do you understand these things? They answered, Yes. And he replied, Then every scribe who has been instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings from his storeroom both the new and the old. When Jesus finished these parables, he went away from there. The Gospel of the Lord. In the first reading, the Lord God tells Jeremiah that he's, his people are like clay and he molds them. Moldable clay must at one time have a certain kind of firmness and a certain kind of suppleness. It cannot be too uh, set already or like rigid but it also cannot be too uh, liquid. It has to strike a balance between. And similarly with us, we also must take the good and the, leave out the bad from whatever is old and new. I went to a particular seminary and it was almost comical how uh, they would cast their lectures in a certain light of saying, well, before the Vatican Council, everything was evil, and then after the Second Vatican Council, everything was beautiful. It was almost as moronic as someone saying, well, before the Vatican Council, everything was wonderful, and after that, everything was uh, horrible. Uh, the, the truth is that the Holy Spirit has walked with the Church every day of the Church's existence. And God, who is good, cannot fail to cannot holy things every day, and and beautiful graces and blessings in every age. He has not been more present in one time and less present in another time. He is God. We have, at some certain moments in our history, received amazing things. And a, a, a fair-minded person who is neither too rigid nor too liquid would accept any good thing at any age of our time. This was the principle of the book Sources of Renewal by Archbishop Karol Wojtyla. Was, he was the Archbishop of 
Krakow at the time, he didn't have any trouble after the council because he esteemed and honored all the tradition that the church had, but also uh, showed people what was esteemable and honorable from the council. So they were at one and the same time, the people were able to look at the old and the new with a certain fair-minded interpretation. And this is the truth for any any Catholic. Uh, it is scary to see what is new because you, the, the trust level of being able to trust what the church is doing now is, is frightening. And it is easier to not make as many mistakes if you simply rely on what is old. That's why it's not a bad thing to lean more on the traditional side and to be very, uh, you know, to esteem and to love the things of tradition. But to not be supple, it means you're not moldable. You don't allow God to show you what has happening now in the church if, you're, if, you're, if the clay is too, too rigid. Uh, likewise, um, just, you know, some people cannot be molded at all because they're just too liquid. They won't accept anything from, from old. And the the truth is that there is good and bad in every age. There are saints and sinners in every age of the church. The way that we can unfailingly interpret these things is, as as uh, the book Sources of Renewal points out, you you see the compenetration of the Holy Spirit in every council. In other words, you the hermeneutic of <clears throat> re- reading each day comes from looking at the whole of church history. The every moment of church history is interpreted by every other moment of church history. It's very similar to the way that Catholics interpret the Bible. The absolute uh, principle of hermeneutic of the Bible for Catholics is context. You read the Bible as a whole. You don't take one phrase and what, or one passage and take it out of context with the whole neither of scripture or the whole of tradition or the whole of magisterial and dogmatic teaching of the church. If we do that, if we follow this principle, it's a, it's a very solid way of being able to not only view the past, but also view the present and also have great hope for the future. And the promise of Jesus said, I will be with you until the end of the age, and that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. You either believe that or you don't. It's an article of faith to believe in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And sometimes you have to make that act of faith when you know you feel shaky, but that's just a perception. It's something that the devil usually likes to use to shake a person up. The truth is that God is going to be God. Uh, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. May the prayers of the Immaculate Virgin Mary and the witness of the saints give us the stability that our, we may have that firmness, but may the hope of the Holy Spirit give us the suppleness that we may be moldable clay in the hands of the Lord God. We bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, that it may shine forth the holiness of Jesus Christ to the nations. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, all bishops and priests. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our government leaders, for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. 
we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all of our beloved dead, all the souls in purgatory. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful intercession of our blessed Mother Mary, as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. Jesus, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. Spirit, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. Trinity, we adore you. Lay our lives before you, how we love you. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept your sacrifice at your hand for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. Accept, O Lord, we pray, the offerings which we bring from the abundance of your gifts that through the powerful working of your grace these most sacred mysteries may sanctify our present way of life and lead us to eternal gladness, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks. Father most holy, through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, your word through whom you made all things whom you sent as our Savior and Redeemer, incarnate by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin. Fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people, he stretched out his hands as he endured his passion, so as to break the bonds of death and manifest the resurrection. And so with the angels and all the saints, we declare your glory, as with one voice we acclaim. Santos, 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 to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, 
a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints in whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world, be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant, Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you summon before you in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. Remember your servants whom you called from this world to yourself. Grant that they who are united with your Son in a death like his may also be one with him in his resurrection, when from the earth you will raise up in the flesh those who have died, and transform our lowly body after the pattern of his own glorious body. To our departed brothers and sisters too, and to all who are pleasing to you after passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, when you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. For seeing you, our God, as you are, we shall be like you for all the ages, and praise you without end, through Christ our Lord, to whom we bestow on the world all that is good. O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, 
All glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. On you An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Jesus, my Lord, you are God. Jesus, my Lord, you are God. 
sacrament, the perpetual memorial, the passion of your Son. Grant, we pray, that this gift which he himself gave us with love beyond all telling may profit us for salvation through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Bow down for the blessing. May Almighty God bless you in his kindness and pour out saving wisdom upon you. Amen. Amen. May he nourish you always with the teachings of the faith and make you persevere in holy deeds. Amen. Amen. May he turn your steps toward himself and show you the path of charity and peace. Amen. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. The Mass is ended. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. Salve Regina, Mother Misericordia, Vida Ducetu, Estras Nostras Sabe, A Ti clamamos, Eso recibe, A Ti suspiramos, Yementes resuendes, in a rakrimarum vale, Ego, Advocata nostra, Illustro, Misericordia soclus, And nos converte, E Jesu, Benedictum protum mendis tui, no be also a silly The prayer to Saint Michael. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. 
be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Father Wenzel Pavlovsky from St. Paul the Apostle Catholic.